0: Welcome back to Studio Stories. I'm your host, Christy Brewington, and today we're joined by Rosie Davidson to discuss all things sleep. So today we're at Aragon House again. We are back here because again, we're super busy in the office. So we've taken a bit of time out today to speak to Rosie from Just Chill Baby Sleep which you might follow her on Instagram. So welcome Rosie, thank you for joining us. Hello, thank you for having me, delighted to be here. Yes, a bit of a different environment today from what we were hoping for. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started? Yeah, of course. So um, if you don't know
1: already, my name on Instagram is just underscore chill, underscore mama, if you know me as that. Um, So the business itself, I guess it started, it was sort of born, as my first daughter was born. So Daisy is six and a half. Um, So when she was a little baby, when she was first born, I kind of thought, you know, I've read all the books. I know what I'm gonna do with her. Um, I'm going to be an expert at this and then I got shock of my life when she didn't really sleep very well and I thought what on earth is going on um it wasn't terrible in the beginning because you kind of think you know it's quite normal newborns wake up a lot Um, but as time went on she kind of hit the four or five month mark and my world fell apart I couldn't cope with it the sleep deprivation was just I was on my knees with it so um I sought the help of a variety of people, so GP, health visitor, and we've got some doctors in our family as well. Very mm-hmm. luckily, and um, so asked their advice, and um, I got the help of a nanny who put together a really good routine for me. So it was kind of um, a combination of all of these sources. I came up with a formula, and it worked. She slept, amazing, and we we sorted it all out basically. So. Um, life went on I was kind of learning as she grew um, as we all do when we become a parent yeah um, and I realized I had a real knack for this so we were sort of the first out of our friends to have babies but then gradually you know everyone else around us started having them mm. and I started helping lots of our friends and family with their babies and realized I was really good at it um, I went back to work part-time in the office um, but I realised I wanted a job that was more flexible and I wanted to be around my daughter. Um, so at that point, actually, I went and trained to teach baby massage and baby yoga. I've always been really interested in health, fitness, well-being, all of that kind of thing. Yeah. So I was really drawn to that area so I trained to do that started doing that part-time um, and then I realized actually I want to do the sleep stuff because I was kind of doing it anyway and when people go to like baby massage groups and other baby groups everyone talks about sleep so you end up giving advice anyway and I thought I- I'll train to do this so I did a yeah. course um my second daughter was born Lola and that's really when the business kind of went online um and that's really when I started my Instagram Mm -hmm. um and all my social media and that's how a lot of people found me so um yeah that's how it kind of all started um initially a lot of word of mouth um but yeah I guess social media is word of mouth as well so that's
0: that's where it all began (laughs) so it's a really natural transition yeah yeah it
1: feels really natural it feels like it's kind of grown with my children and with me becoming a mum as well.
0: Yeah. So according to Stanford Children's Health, gen- really generally speaking yeah. here, this, we know this varies from person yeah. to person, so I don't want any yeah. hate mail coming through saying no, this no, is no. wrong. Um, newborn babies sleep around eight, nine hours in the day and around eight hours at night, with most of them waking every hour yeah. or so. What age would you say you receive the most requests for advice? Okay, so I think
1: this question kind of, we need to break it down a little bit. So first of all, just to manage anyone's sort of anxieties, if they're listening to this, they are all different. And I know you've kind of caveated that with initially what you said, but some babies will sleep more than that. Yeah. Some will be less than that. And especially if there's, for example, an undiagnosed issue like reflux, cow's milk, milk allergy, Or there's a feeding issue, like a latching issue. There's so many other things that can cause them to not sleep as much as that. Mm -hmm. Um, And also some babies are born, they're very, very sleepy for various other reasons. So there's always exceptions to the rule. But yes, approximately that amounts kind of, yeah, what we'd be looking at. Um, When people come to me, so my one-to-ones are from six months and up. So in terms of when I'm working with people either on the phone or doing home visits and things Mm -hmm. like that. um, My social media with my Instagram, um, I get a lot of messages from people in all stages of parenthood. And I get lots of messages from people with younger babies. I always say it's very hard for me to advise um, in those situations without knowing someone, knowing the background. It's not really very responsible without taking a huge amount of information. Yeah. Um, and I'm not qualified to diagnose medical conditions or feeding issues, for example. So, I mean, most people come to me when the babies are six months and up. Is the answer to that? Yeah. Um, my online courses at present start from six months, but we are introducing a nought to five months course very soon. Hopefully, in the next few weeks.
0: Very exciting. Um,
1: and it's more about when they're little, building kind of good sleep habits. Um at the very beginning it's as simple as teaching them day from night mm-hmm. and doing what to me is obviously re- really obvious, but it might not be to anyone who's listening. So, you know, in the day giving them lots of natural light, at the night time in the night time keeping it dark, um, you know, not changing their nappy unless they need a change, keep the feeds kind of quiet um and calm. Um so doing all those kind of things. But yeah, the answer the short answer to the long answer that I've just given (laughs) is uh, most people come from about six months I would say it peaks actually when people are going back to work so a lot of mums who are returning to work tends to be on average sort of 10 to 11 months their babies are that kind of age and they're returning to work and it might be that they've kind of managed or not very much sleep until that Mm. point and then they think oh god got to go back to work, how am I going to go and sit in an office and function as potentially I used to um, on little to no sleep? Some people come earlier than that um, and some people leave it until they're toddlers or even older. Wow.
0: Yeah, it's it's all different. It's so different. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to chat through a few topics. Sure. A couple of different things about some research that we've done and some topics we've read that people... Have struggled with or have known to struggle with generally yeah, yeah. so let's start with separation anxiety like how okay. can we how can somebody identify that their baby is struggling with separation anxiety that's causing okay. bad sleep patterns yeah so
1: separation anxiety it's a tricky one and it again it's a mixed bag and it varies from child to child baby to baby but generally you wouldn't see it anything before five months mm-hmm. The reason is that some a change developmental change happens in babies around the five to six month mark, and it's where they understand something called object permanence, which means they understand that when you're not there, you still exist. Okay? So if, I don't know, they had a teddy and you took the teddy away when they're three months old, they don't remember it, they don't think it exists anymore. When they get to this age, they would realise, for example, that if mummy leaves the room, Mummy's not there anymore so then they want to shout to get you back for example yeah. so that's it can appear around this kind of age the really common age for it to appear is around 10 to 11 months which is also coincides normally with when mums are going back to work which yeah. can be really really tricky with child care um but it doesn't always appear some children don't ever have it Some of them, you might not see any kind of separation anxiety until they're kind of toddler years, or even it might manifest when they go to school, for example. But separation anxiety can definitely affect sleep. Um, Normally it will be that your little one, perhaps one night something happens, there'll normally be a trigger for it affecting sleep, because generally if your child is a good sleeper, they're able to settle themselves to sleep, Mm -hmm. um, they have, I guess, good sleep hygiene, I like to call it, um, then it's not necessarily going to be an issue, but it might be that, I don't know, one night something happens and they say to you, this might be a toddler or an older child, I want you to sit with me until I fall asleep. If they become accustomed to that, then their sleep association, which is what we call it when we have certain conditions when we go to sleep, their sleep association has become you sitting there. So then they're going to expect that or anticipate that every night. So if then you try and move away from that, it can Mm -hmm. be quite tricky. And that's when I think separation anxiety, if it's kind of peaking, it's very difficult to solve a sleep challenge like that. Um, But yeah, I mean, the the question really was, does, uh, I'm trying to kind of summarize it. Separation anxiety can cause sleep issues but it's not necessarily always linked to sleep it can be a completely separate animal okay yeah yeah
0: that's really fascinating that it can totally hit at any yeah at exactly. any time like from school yeah some right children might have baby. no
1: issues at all and then they start mm. you know in reception at school and um then they have this separation anxiety fear of leaving home they don't want to they don't want to go to school they don't want you to leave when you drop them off um and that you know it's it's quite normal to potentially have um sort of setbacks at bedtime and things we can we can talk more about that
0: and our second is sleep regression
1: yeah so sleep regression is one that's talked about a lot yeah um i don't really like the term regression because biologically we don't regress it's just not something we do we're always moving forward our development's always moving forward um there's a big one that everyone talks about which is the four month sleep regression i don't call it that i call it the four month sleep progression Um, I have an issue with it because it doesn't always happen at four months. Some people might not perceive any change at all and it doesn't happen. And they're sat around waiting for the day. Their baby turns four months and they're thinking, what's going to happen? Nothing happens. So there was nothing to worry about. But what, what does happen around this age, and it tends to be anything from about three months to six months, there will be a change biologically in the way that our babies sleep. So... Their sleeping patterns become more like an adult so they they transition between light and deep sleep in a way that's more similar to an adult so what tends to happen is if they have a certain way of falling asleep perhaps and there's nothing wrong with it we all have different ways of getting our babies to sleep Mm -hmm. but if perhaps you were rocking your baby to sleep um when they're a smaller baby and they just fall asleep in your arms you put them down they stay asleep for eight hours or something and then they might hit this point And then they don't do that anymore, and parents are finding they're waking up every hour, every hour and a half, and they think, God, what's happened? I've I've broke, my baby's broken, but actually they're not. It's just that you might need to reassess perhaps how they're falling asleep, um, or there might be other factors contributing, but it's not that your baby's broken and it's gonna suddenly fix in a couple of weeks. Some of them occasionally do, but really you need to reassess the whole sort of situation. Mm -hmm. So that's like the four-month regression or what people call it, it's a permanent change. Um, there's lots of other alleged sleep regressions, but there's it, depending who you talk to, people will say there's a regression like every single month. Yeah, Children develop at different rates. As I said, we're all different. So I don't like to um, give specific ages that they will always happen. There are milestones that all children go through, but they do it all different times, like learning to crawl, learning to walk, learning to talk, all of these things There's no specific age they do these, but sometimes they can be a disruptor or a temporary disruptor to sleep. Um, It might be that when your baby learns to crawl, and that could be around eight months, but it could be much later, or they might not crawl at all, they might go straight to walking. Sometimes when they're learning a new skill, they will practice it in their cot at night. But unless they are distressed and asking for you, it's perfectly okay to leave them alone to do what they need to do. So one of my rules with sleep, with babies and children and adults, if someone isn't asking for your intervention, you should always leave them alone. Because to be in your on your own in your sleep space is a really positive thing. To enjoy laying there and feeling comfortable, um, reflecting, or you know, a baby might be babbling away to themselves. If they're not crying out for you, mm-hmm. you can leave them alone. And that's that's really is the key and that that can help with a lot of sleep issues people don't always realize that so sleep regressions yeah some of them are not necessarily going to happen so don't worry too much i guess is yeah what i would say mm-hmm. about them
0: for parents not to get anxious about that happening because it may or may not happen
1: yeah exactly and they are all different so it I like to call them sleep blips, essentially, because you can have a blip for any reason. It might be, I don't know, they catch a really bad cold um, and then sleep seems to change or go backwards a little bit, but it doesn't mean you can't get back on track. Really fascinating.
0: <laughs> it makes me think about all of my sleep patterns now. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like evaluating well, A lot of, it. of it's
1: linked to, to adult sleep as well, yeah.
0: So are there any topics that you've come across in your time of consulting yeah. that not so much anomalies but aren't so much things that you see as patterns so is there anything that's come up that you think oh i've not heard that one before oh i'm not sure why that thing's happening
1: yeah i mean generally i think that anyone's sleep can be improved um the only cases that i've seen where i haven't been able to help have been really based on medical issues um so i've referred to um gp or paediatrician. Um, there's other cases that sometimes happen where I can I can see what's happened but it's been an outside trigger, for example moving house, um, travelling, sometimes um, I don't know if people, people have been travelling long haul and babies, um, body clocks are all confused, um, illness is another one. There's various triggers that can kind of push sleep off course. Um, I always think you can get back to it but there's yeah there's there's always medical conditions that arise um, but I would just refer them on really rather than trying to deal with it because I think in order to improve sleep assess sleep in its entirety you need to make sure that um, any other issues are sorted out beforehand so a child for example a child with undiagnosed dairy allergy just as an example they would be suffering with potentially um abdominal pain um they could have um, diarrhea they could have constipation they could have discomfort when they're feeding all of these kind of things Mm -hmm. and you can't really look at sleep until something like that is sorted out yeah because that's the root of the problem exactly exactly so yeah I hope that answers that yes
0: (laughs) and going back to the other issues like moving house and and other topics like that how can that affect sleep is it just the new environments and just getting settled in a completely new place
1: yeah so moving house as this specific example yeah that can cause um disruption to sleep but it doesn't necessarily mean that everything is going to go out of the window so there's some tips i can give people for anyone's listening to this um so for example you would take some slept in bedding is a good one so we're really sensitive to smell and familiar, familiarity so babies really like um consistency and keeping things the same so if they have slept in bedding if they have like a comforter or a teddy something that's familiar keeping your routine really really consistent can help so what might cause issues is if someone moves house and everything's chaotic and their little one's routine goes out of the window then that will actually be more of a disruptor than physically being in a different room yeah um, if they're an older child you can help prepare them in advance by talking about it helping them choose things for their room stuff like that um, but when it comes to babies it's quite simple we want it consistent we want it nice and dark we want it fairly cool. We don't want really hot bedrooms. Um, 16 to 19 degrees is optimal, really. Um, if they're old enough to have a comforter, a nice comforter, familiar bedding, as I said, um, it's quite simple with them. With older children, yeah, there can always be anxieties. There can be other kind of psychological things going on, but as long as you've prepared them and you're there to support them, um, it should be fairly a fairly smooth transition. Um, other things that can happen, like going on holiday um if you're away in a different place for a lot of us i mean i know myself if i go on holiday i struggle often oh, struggle I to do sleep too. First like three yeah days. exactly at least the first night i barely sleep mm. and part of it is it's it's our actually our body's way of protecting ourselves so when we're in a deep sleep we're quite vulnerable so the body does what i call safety checks through the night so between our sleep cycles the body's checking Am I in a safe environment? Has anything changed? If it's changed or something strange, then we might need to wake up. So that's why often you'll keep waking up because you're like, oh, where am I? Yeah. Um, so it, it's quite normal for everyone to have disrupted sleep if you go away, things like that. Um, other things that might happen to affect children's sleep, maybe a new sibling arriving. Um, so that's why it's really important if you're changing anything for your toddler or older child if there's a new sibling coming make sure you do it way before the new baby arrives so you don't want to be for example moving your baby from a cot to a toddler bed just a week before the baby arrives because it's too much change Mm. you want to make sure that they are prepared and relaxed about a new arrival.
0: I find that one fascinating really interesting because I have two older sisters and we between me, I'm the youngest, and my elder sister, there's four years difference. Oh. So we're all really close in age, yeah. like just under two years between us all. Yeah. And I wonder how my parents did that with sleeping because we were all at such different points of sleep. Yeah. And I was notoriously a bad sleeper. Oh, so. no. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's hard work. You have to be very organised. <laughs> I bet. Um, But, yeah, people manage and it's, it's working in... Um, coping strategies, making sure that, you know, as I said, everything's pre-prepared. You've um, prepared your child, your your older child, for the arrival of the new sibling. Um, for me and my girls, when Lola was born, my youngest, who's now three, um, I really prepared Daisy quite far in advance. We we talked about the baby. She used to talk to my tummy. Um, it was all very much about our baby. So she I was always, very
0: involved. Yeah,
1: I phrased it as our baby that's coming and you're gonna help me with this and help me with that. And really, really got her involved. Mm. So I didn't feel that there was ever, nothing really changed during that time. Um, she was already in a, in a toddler bed um, and we kept her routine really the, exactly the same basically even when so i was in hospital recovering and um yeah my husband kept everything the same um there was an element that she was asking for me and worried about me and things like that but she still went to bed at her normal time and everything was okay so it's possible to manage
0: so were you abiding by your own like the things that you consult on oh thinking, yeah yeah like, yeah applying it all to yourself 100
1: percent. yeah so the great thing with Lola is I knew knew a bit better about what I was what everything was going on I I felt that I coped a lot better I think generally not everyone but generally the second child you kind of know what's coming you you know how you're going to feel in the early weeks yeah. um you know about all the stages they go through and the checks and I mean medically all of the things that happen it's a bit more fam- familiar um wise I felt yeah i knew what i was doing from the very beginning i put some really really good sleep hygiene in place and um, we never really had any issues with her she's always slept really really well which That's is great perfect, yeah then.
0: yeah and you've got quite a sizable following on instagram yes do you, you find you get adults approach you as well um so often what will happen is when i'm working with
1: parents we will end up talking about their sleep as well um, so I don't specialise in adult sleep, but a lot of it's really transferable. So again, what I was talking about the sleep hygiene. so sleep hygiene is really, really important for all of us. So things like not having screen time too close to bed, um, not, um, eating sugar close to bedtime, and stimulants like caffeine, chocolate, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, Making your sleep space really relaxing, cool, calm, darkness, as well as another one. So all of the things that we talk about for babies and children are similar for adults. Um, And often what will happen, especially with mothers who have just, for example, we've just solved their baby sleep issue. They start sleeping through. Mum says, I can't sleep, I'm still waking up. It can take a bit of time for the parents to adjust to having a baby that sleeps because they might be in they might be used to waking up so yeah. often that it takes a bit of time for the internal body clock to catch up as well so I don't generally deal with um adults. Um, separately from from their babies, but when I'm working with someone one to one, inevitably we end up talking about it, and I end yeah, up like giving
0: whole.
1: giving advice. Yeah, um, it's so important for all of us. Absolutely vital to every function in the body. Um, it's the best thing you can do for your your immune system, for learning, growth, memory. Um, basically, every aspect of health is linked to sleep. So, yeah. yeah,
0: amazing. Are there any quick tips you can give to any of our listeners? are just trying to get their little one off to sleep or anything like that okay so one of the, the best bits
1: of advice i think i can give you is look at how your little one falls asleep so there are some babies and i'll call them unicorn babies who you might rock them or feed them to sleep and they just stay asleep the whole night and it's amazing but there, most babies i would say the way they fall asleep is really really important because at some point during the night between their sleep cycles these sleep cycles I was talking about the body's doing safety checks and if a baby for example falls asleep cuddling mum it's all lovely and warm and cozy and then they wake up somewhere completely different on their own and they think oh my god what's going on how did I get here Mm. there's a change so then they will cry out and they will need you to do what you did again at the beginning of the night so this is aside from feeds and things because obviously with young babies they wake to feed very often and that's entirely normal. Um, but as they get a bit older, potentially they might be waking for a reason that reason rather than a feed. So it's differentiating between. But yeah, my tip is really to look at how babies falling asleep. Um, a lot of people find it really helpful to think even in the very beginning to try and put them down drowsy or awake rather than fully asleep whether you're going to put them down a lot of people do the thing where they talk about babies like a bomb that's going to go off they kind of gradually <laughs> lower them into the cot and then they as soon as they hit the cot they go Wah! and it's because well there's two things one they feel like they're falling there is an element where we have a reflex when we're you know going to fall um, and the other thing is yeah they wake up because they, they, uh, they um, Anticipate that things have changed and yeah, they wake up. So really looking at how baby falls asleep um, But the other thing and you can do this from the very beginning is creating a really good sleep environment And that's super simple for everyone. So do your list. So your checklist of dark cool um, Don't have any tech um, keep things, you know, nice and calm in the lead up to bedtime So those kind of sleep hygiene things they're really quite easy to implement and that's for anyone from day one Up until the day we die those are great things to have in place
0: and can you tell us a bit more about the packages that you offer people that are just seeking a bit more of consultation
1: yeah so i have a few ways of working so first of all i have lots of free information available to anyone who's interested so i have a youtube channel you can find that um, via my bio on my instagram page Um, i also have Online courses. So at the moment, we've got one for six to nine months, one for 10 to 18 months, and we're introducing a new one for 0 to five months coming really, really soon. Um, so that's the first way I work on a paid basis. Then I have phone calls, so phone consultations. I have a waiting list for these, which is going to open in a few weeks' time. So you can apply for that. And then I do home visits, so generally around the London and surrounding areas, but if you 're not sure, you can also send me an email and check if I travel to your area, so with a one to one visit, I come to your home, we talk about everything, look at everything, and then I follow up with support for the following two weeks to make sure that I can really hold your hand yeah, it's really and help you it's, It really depends what you 're looking for like some people really really need that one-to-one help, um, and someone to hold their hand through it. Others are quite happy to work sort of independently and just have the information and apply it themselves. But lots of people have messaged me saying they've watched my free content, and actually those tips that they've got from there have helped them, and they haven't needed any one-to-one support. So. There's lots of different avenues. I also have um, Q and As on my Instagram page, so regularly I'll put out a question and answer thing. People send in their questions, and I answer those. And I sometimes do lives as well, so people can send in questions.
0: I'm sure you've helped so many people. I have. It's into, it's into problems. the thousands
1: now. Yeah, that must it's amazing. Feel great for you. It is. It's very very re- rewarding yeah. job indeed. Yeah.
0: Yeah, especially because sleep is something that can completely change our moods if we've had very very little of it
1: yeah absolutely so many parents are just on the brink of despair like i was before i started all of this on my knees just a shell of a person and then we sort it all out and people think oh my gosh this is amazing i'm starting to get a piece of myself back um and it's not to be underestimated
0: i feel very proud of all the thank you
1: thank you i love it as well it's brilliant yeah And
0: as we come to a close to the podcast, our final question that we ask every guest is what is the main mantra that you live your life by and why?
1: Okay, so I always say do you. By that I mean do what's right for you. Um, Parenting advice is out there. It's, It's saturated. There's so many different things you can read. I mean, if you look at a book for baby sleep, you'll see, I don't know, about 50 books or more with all different things but you have to do what's right for you um in terms of parenting your life you can apply that to everything and I do as well I kind of think trust your gut and do what feels instinctively right for you and in terms of parenting what's right for you and your baby and what's right for someone else your neighbor your friend whoever it is might not be the right path for you um so do yeah do you is my um my mantra Lovely.
0: yeah well thank you so much Rosie it's been interesting and we hope there are some parents out there that have really really benefited from listening to you today
1: brilliant thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure thank you
0: thank you if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to leave us a review